I want to thank Prophet um, Andrea, but we're just going to really just set a couple of statements in the in the um, spiritual realm as I teach on this, because I'm learning that, you know, we talk about demonic attack and we talk about demons and really we're dealing with the, the, the people who conjure things in the realm of disagreement that can be so profound that they open the door and start attacking the very people who are trying to help them. So we just, in the name of Jesus, we bind understanding to us this morning. We pray that our ears are open and that our hearts and minds are clear. We pray, Father, that we are not here to gather intel, to prove someone is teaching heresy. We declare this morning that the teachable are here that the learners are here, Lord, and we ask you to move out and clear out anything that does not need to be anything that does not need to be here this morning as we teach this message. Father, we thank you for those who are consistent, those who show up every Sunday or or, and let us know when they can't be here, Lord. Their hearts are prepared to understand what's being taught. They have context over months and weeks. They have the capability to be able to understand what is being said and to hold it, Lord, in a high place and not a low place of tradition, of culture, Lord God, of confusion, of chaos, of demonic worship. Father, we decree and declare this morning that we are not demon worshipers, that we are not assigned to demonology. Jesus had no demonology ministry. He had no demonology calling. He had no vestment in darkness except to bring the light. And Father, we thank you that we are understanding and we are teaching from that perspective. We understand that Jesus is at the center. We decree and declare that understanding will come as we continuously put on the mind of Christ uh, as a choice us choosing that we will focus on Jesus, us understanding the believer's authority, us coming into a place, Father, where the highest realm that we can achieve is light, not darkness. Father, we stand against um, um, adversarial teachings, Lord, that would equate Jesus and um, Satan as brothers, as equals, as Satan as being empowered, Father, we know that he has no power except that that we give him and that that we allow to influence us. And Father, we hold true to this place in our lives right now. And Father, I speak to those that are contending with a lot of cultural beliefs, a lot of things built into systems of our childhood, systems of our, um, uh, our ethnic makeup. That are, that are just mingled in the mix of uh, religion, Father, even from superseding or even before the days of, of slavery, even until that time, Father, where the context of struggle was placed in the midst of our um, understanding of evil and our understanding of darkness in the world. But Father, I thank you that God has from the beginning shown us that everything we do is about choice. Everything we do is about the decisions we make. Everything that takes place is about what we agree with. And we declare that we fall out of agreement with the ways of Babylon. We fall out of agreement with the ways of ancestors. We fall out of agreement with the ways of traditions that that contradict 
and negatively influence our ability to understand the sovereignty of God. That's where we stand today, God. And we ask that you dig, that you plow, that you move away anything that stops us from seeing your light. Not my perspective, but your light. Because you are the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, then we should be able to see you in every situation and every circumstance. We should be able to see you shine within us. So Father, lead and guide us today as only you can. You alone know the direction that we are going in. I'm going to do my best, Lord, but this is you. May understanding come. We pull on understanding, understanding, understanding by way of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to thank you and welcome you all this morning, this morning. Listen, I want to start by reading something from a commentary that um, that's all over all of the Bible study sites and a part of many of the seminaries and things that we have been a part of over the years. And we just understand that, that theology is the study of God. That's one thing that you have to know is that theology is the study of God. So everybody has a theology. If you're a believer, you have your own theology rolling around in your head. <laughs> you know, Then there's a theology that we agree with. So we're aware of that. And I, I just want you to know that um, the reason why I brought up theology is that there's no way to escape it. Every generation reformulates its theology. So there will always be things we agree upon, and there will always be things that we're not sure about, and there will always be questions unanswered. The more understanding you have, the greater the realm of questions become. And I always like to tell you, I don't know everything. But today, you're going to really find out what I believe. And I think this is important because we have, again, like I taught last Sunday, we have prophets, apostles, pastors, and teachers, and evangelists that really believe they're called to darkness. That is an impossibility in the kingdom. It does not exist. You cannot have a calling to darkness and also be in Christ doesn't exist. So I know that that's going to hit hard. There are going to be people who don't even want to be connected with this ministry because I've said that there is no calling to darkness. Zero. We are only called to the light, salt and light, a lighthouse upon a hill. I mean, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture tells us this. But does that mean that people who believe that won't won't see God. No, it just means we need to clear up the confusion. <laughs> That's all it means. And with me, and we've always taught this. If you're like, well, I was talking to you about, listen, I've been in ministry for myself 22 years in that sense. There's a lot of things that I've taught that I'm reteaching again. So just because we may have had a conversation doesn't mean I'm thinking about you or that you've even come into my thought process as we've been talking about this issue. So let's not make things about us. Let's not um, confuse ourselves by thinking that I'm digging into something that somebody talked about. You have to say this kind of stuff because offense, the, the, the whole thing with the fence is so easy 
especially in this day and time. People take everything personally. And when I tell you I have a whole life without everybody here, I mean that. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean that negatively, but I have a whole life here. And I'm not sitting around thinking about other people, thinking about other people. Um, give me a minute. I think um, there's a couple of people I want to try to make sure are here. I don't see them. And teachings like this are, are so important because we have to we have to realize that if we're in a community and if we are the ones walking around saying, God led me here and, and God told me to do this, then we owe it to God to figure out how long we're, going, we're supposed to be here, what we're supposed to be learning, um, all of those things. Give me one minute. Okay, so... I want to read this to you. It's just a little, it's a theological statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to, to hear this um, this morning. So this was written by John W. Rittenbow, and it's part three of a teaching that he has on um, Satan. <laughs> but this is what he says. He says, Satan's power is over all the nations of the earth. That could be very frightening when we realize he can influence men in such a way that they are not even aware that they are being influenced toward evil. His power is so extensive that he is over all nations of the earth. Those are the three sentences that I just want to introduce. There's a delusion here that Satan is powerful. That's the first delusion. Now, in order to combat that delusion, we have to accept that God is sovereign. If God is sovereign, then Satan cannot possibly have this kind of power. Are you following me? Since when did Satan get this powerful? Or is it that the people in the kingdom are weaker than they believe? And what do I mean by that? They're not tapping into the sovereignty of God. Are you following? I'm not teaching about the sovereignty of God this morning, but I want you to know that this is the conversation that almost everyone in our particular ministry of influence, you know, the prophetic church, the apostolic church, they live in this place of Satan's power. And if you believe Satan has power like this, then you're always running in fear. You're always bonding and loosing. You're always fighting. It's constant, right? Okay, so, so what does Satan have that is so powerful? Influence. Influence. But get this, the kind of influence that feeds the vanity of humanity. Satan's power is that he knows the fallen man so well. If there is a power, is that he knows the fallen nature of man so well that he can put everything that you like right before you like diamonds and pearls. 
Can you see that? Because that's really important. It's really important. If we don't understand this, then let's say a person is lonely and they're desperate to be married. Then everything outward will look like diamonds and pearls to that person. Your whole perspective will be clouded because that brokenness, that inability to be complete all by yourself is going to cry out for what you believe will make you complete, which is a whole deception. Are you following me? I want to make sure whether it's glutton, whether it's an addiction to food, whether it's pornography, it's all about influence. And if you can be influenced, then Satan can have power. Are you understanding? Because if everything that that man looks like, that woman looks like, fits your glassy eyes, then you can easily fall prey to that because you're blind to everything else. That's why it's so important for us to be made whole. That's why it's not okay to be desperate to be married, desperate to have kids, desperate to have a wife, desperate to have a job, desperate to have anything because when we're desperate, we make all the wrong choices and decisions, not because we're evil, but because we're broken. Right? And when those fears and those desperations get into those cracks, uh oh, there comes the sin. How can I say that? Because we will get rid of friends. I've seen people leave ministries, relationships, everything because they got a man. But the sad part about it is it cuts them off from everything that keeps them rooted and grounded in the faith because now what they obtained has become their God, their influence. Are you able to see? I know this is a crazy example that I'm giving you, but I have to make it practical because people will keep saying, no, your flesh is crying out and you can't recognize it. Your desperation is so before you that you are blinded. You know, it's amazing because that's why the scripture tells us there's safety in a multitude of counselors. But a lot of times people try to get rid of those that call them out. <laughs> I don't like how they said that, so I'm... I mean, my God, you can stay with someone who has threatened your life, treated you like crap, but you get rid of the people that tries to help you. Something is wrong. And I'm talking family, friends. Um, I'm not just talking about relationships. I've seen people who had grandma cuss them out every day of their life. But the pastor says, no, and you are public enemy. But grandma, your best friend, because blood is thicker than water. <laughs> I'm just, look, these are just examples. And I can only pull on the things that I have seen.
from my life and to be able to share them with you and the things that we see in scripture. We can take it from scripture, but I'm getting there. I just want you to catch last week's message, last week's I mean, Bible study message, because without that, you'll be confused as to where I'm going. And if you are holding on to your right to believe in the devil, you're going to miss everything that I'm going to teach you today. Because according to Rittenbow, Satan's power is over all the nations. Now the scripture does say Satan is the, is the ruler of this world. But, in other, but we know that Satan is one person. We know God created Satan in that sense, right? If we're going to look at it from the perspective we talked about the first Sunday. How can something God created be omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent? How? So what is this great influence? Well, when I was growing up in the faith, it was imps and agents. I mean, it kept getting more elaborate by the week. I lost count of all the different demonic things that people came up with, right? It was just too much. I'm tired of counting. I just need to know Jesus. But now I'm a baby Christian because I want to know Jesus and not your demonology. It's interesting how things work when it should be flipped. People versus God. <laughs> and we have a lot of people that stand as adversaries against Jesus unaware. People perish for lack of knowledge. We can use the Webster's Dictionary definition here because Let's just say demonology is not a biblical construct. That God did not teach us demonology. He did not order us to study out demons and devils and rankings. That's just not something that um, the Bible teaches. It's not. Take whatever scripture you want. It'll never lead back to, the, to a dictionary, encyclopedia, or a catalog in heaven that's all about the devil. That's a non-issue in the in the in eternity. I mean, I'm gonna ask you right now in the chat: Is this an issue in eternity? Is this what lasts at the end of the day? Is this something that the Lord is gonna be concerned about? Is the Lord concerned about it now because He is God? He's aware of everything. I mean, he is God. His eyes are everywhere. There is absolutely nothing happening in the earth that he's not aware of. In fact, there's nothing happening in your life that he's aware of. He's not aware of. Oh, my goodness. Demon, demonology is belief in demons. Belief. Girl, I believe me. Yeah, we know you do. It's a belief in demons. It's the study of demons. It's the doctrine of devils. It's a catalog of your enemies. Is, is, is Jesus keeping a list of all his haters? If you believe that, please ask God for healing. 
I really doubt that the Lord is worrying about who is against him. And I can tell you about a thousand scriptures. No, you know, I'm exaggerating. But there are many, many, many scriptures about um, if God, God, one that says, if God is for us, what? Who can stand against us? So if you believe that you need a haters list, you've already become an adversary of God because you don't believe that if, if he is for you, who can be against you? Oh my goodness. So that means we have to recalibrate how we think about these things. Yes, I face trouble. Yes, I might be under what we consider the influence of attack. But listen, faith is the only currency that has the ability to get me out of that. Because even if my enemy never stops attacking me, I have to ascend. Even if that bank account, negative balance devil come after you, you have to realize I have to ascend. I'm saying that for a reason because people have prayed that. When the issue is you're writing checks and, and trying to do things with no money. How is that a devil? Unless you're looking in the mirror, right? Even if circumstances do not change in your attack situation, you have to figure out and navigate how to be blessed, how to live above it. Oh my goodness. So we're gonna let this little definition go. Um, we're gonna take a look at just some of the terms that we see all the time thrown around. So, there, you know, I had to separate the whole conversation about the adversary, the devil, or the adversary, or Satan, because we needed to understand what Jesus was battling when he was sent into the wilderness. And we talked about how we came to the conclusion that that was a different definition than the one people use for evil spirits, than the one people use for devils, devils, plural. Then, so we want to look at some of those things today because that's really why we are, are here. We're going to take a look at that. And I just want to throw out some words. And if you come up with some, I want you to go ahead and enter them in the chat. But what are all the words that you have heard? I was taught the, the uh, translations that I grew up on use the word unclean spirits. It used, it used demonic spirits. I also heard water spirits. That's something new that people have been talking about the last six, seven years. Um, lust devils and impure spirits and deceiving spirits and demons and evil spirits and marine spirits and familiar spirits. And I mean, there is no end. All day long, all day long, 24 hours, seven days a week. There is no, never the good news. Where is the good news? Where is the gospel in all of this? Where is it? And why is there so much confusion? Because as long as we can keep people inwardly counting the devils on the inside of them, when will we ever be able to 
point them toward the Lord. There are people that are dealing with things right now all around us. What if somebody you know has an alcohol addiction? What if, I'm not saying God can't God can, God can heal you if you cast out an alcohol spirit. If that's where your belief is, God is so humble, he's going to meet you there. But what if you can just say healed in Jesus' name? What if? I want to share something else with you that I learned in seminary, um, that I learned from my former pastor, and that I've learned from, um, that's been reiterated by my mentor today. Um, sometimes, you know, we, we know things, and we know things are not right. We know it in our gut. I think I told somebody the last time I attended a prayer conference was in 19, no, was in 2003. That's the last prayer conference I ever attended. The last women's conference I attended was in 2010, unless I was a speaker. <laughs> but, you know, so 2010, 2011, because all of them ended in that list of what we call the evil spirit stuff that I just shared with you. And I never could understand why I was so vexed and troubled in my spirit. But I, I want to, I mean, and me, I'm not judging the people because they love God. The intention was correct. Um, we saw movement. We saw the Lord really answer. We saw, uh, we saw a lot of things in the midst of that. And God moved, but he could move because we were all in agreement and we all believed that that's what it was going to take to get free. And we love God through all of the fire tunnels and running through. I mean, we love God through all of that, through all the buckets and the rolling on the floor and the cut up. We love God through all of that. And God healed. He delivered and he set free. But just as John the Immerser was not enough for the baptism after Holy Spirit, this is not enough for where God is taking us today. Yes, but now we have Holy Spirit. The baptism of John was not wrong, but listen, Apollos, we don't need the baptism of John anymore because the Holy Spirit has come to live in us and dwell in all those who believe. Well, baptize me with water. You can do that. About the baptism of the spirit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You know, I think I mentioned to you, we've got to teach this because things get crazier and crazier. And you know you're really not leading people when they keep returning to vomit. Somebody else is leading them. You're giving them life and they keep running back to death over and over and over again. Over and over and over and over again. Over and I just need God to heal me like this. Wow, you enjoy your demonic activity. You love the attention that comes from you laying on the floor with 50 people that can't cast out whatever you have. And you get up the next day Go back to the same thing and live just like that all over again. 
But somehow in your mind, you've convinced yourself that God did something, but you look the same. We see it all the time. And we see people that live in their denial place consistently. I want to I wanna share this with you because, um, look, you know, when the woman at the well, Jesus just told her what he, he said, what he said, then he just said, go and sin no more. I mean, I, I, I like that. That's what I want. I want my, my healed life to look like that. And I want the power of God in me to operate like that. It's not evil for me to want that. I want to be able to say, I want to see, I want the kind of power of God that causes legion to recognize the, the son of God to walk up to the son of God and say, I am bound. Can you set me free? Yes, I can. Be gone. And then cast out into whatever, into the sea. That's power. But we hunt them around here. We got to go find something to cast out. Let me look for what that is. I never saw Jesus search out a devil. I'm just saying. Oh, that's, that, that's because we're in different days. No, that's not what that is. Some things don't change. The mind of Christ doesn't operate like that. Anyway, listen to this. this is, I'm going to read this to you, and you'll understand in a minute. It's too many pages to read you the whole thing. If you see the link up there somewhere, grab it. I'm not going to post this in the Scribe of Prophets, in the um, Scribe of Conservatory group. It'll be too confusing for the watchers over there. So I'm just going to post it here. Okay, demonology in general. It is a sound principle of, a, of interpretation that we must consider a passage or doctrine or custom in connection with the thought world of the time. Follow that. The world of our Lord's day had been wonderfully reconstructed and thereby a flood of light has been thrown upon the pages of the New Testament. In the present instance of demon possession, we may profitably extend our view beyond Palestine and beyond the ancient world for the phenomena appear to present an essential similarity everywhere and in all times. In ancient times and among savage and semi-civilized people's beliefs in demons is all but universal. Now, there's gonna be some language here that I don't agree with. When I tell you when this was written, you'll understand. I don't believe the language here. I don't believe in calling people savages. I don't believe in any of that. This was their language at this time that this was written because it can it give you a clue about the time in which this person lived. So, which is why I wanted to read this from this old document. I want you to see when you have people, theologians all throughout history, they're always going to pull from the time in which they live, in which they talk. But there's also going to be some profound truth and their pursuit of the things associated with God, which is why I brought this up. And this is a man that has studied the scriptures. 
And what he's saying is, is that his study of all the talk about demons and devils seems to be drawn from understanding a history that every culture has their good and evil battles. Every culture and every religion around the world deals with devils, demons, and angels. Are you following me so far? This is an academic part. I'm not trying to give you scripture here. I just need to know that you're following me. He says again, I'm gonna read it again. In ancient times and among savage and semi-civilized people. Now that terminology, they're probably talking about black folks, natives. They're talking about those that they feel like needed to be colonized, right? So I want you to just recognize this. Don't get offended by the language. This is true even when people who have attained some degree of culture, any event happening by some unseen agency may be ascribed to them, devils and demons. Because the truth of their day was they did not have the medicinal understanding. They did not understand mental health and mental illness, right? Did you know the um, clarity of mental health and mental illness that's happened in this aspect of our time is only the last 10 years. All the years before that, it was considered devils, demons, things you can overcome. They made no equation about it with sickness, imbalance of vitamins, serotonin. All of those things were considered, even severe depression, was considered demonic oppression. Are you following me? Don't get upset. I need you to walk along. If a child was born like some of our disabled children are born, it would have been considered a curse. Not a chromosomal issue. Right? Okay, so, so I want you to hear what he's saying. In ancient times, and no, 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 this is an American Indian falling into a fire will say that an angry ancestral spirit pushed him. He's just giving an example. I, I'm doing this only as an example. Favorable events are due to the intervention of a kindly spirit. So if something nice happened to you, then it was the gods. You follow what I'm saying? We civilized people, you're hearing his prejudices and his time, call it luck. In Christian nomenclature, good spirits are called angels. I'm, this is just the point. And the name of a demon is reserved for an evil spirit. The deserts of Arabia are people with jinn. And the genie of the Babylons were lurking everywhere. Look, this is over 100 years ago that this was written. It's the same stuff we deal with today. Are you able to see it? Oh, oh my God. I, I, just, I just want you to see this. So if that is true in every era of history, it behooves us to study the word. Every era of history, there is no era 
of history anywhere, no religion and no people group where you will not see the flip-flop switcheroo with devils and demons, including the church. Listen, I want you to read this. Hear this with me. The connection of nightmare with demon influence among our ancestors is shown by the name in Anglo-Saxon mare means spirit. As such, we know to be the case among, listen, savage Australians. I want you to pay attention to the language of the time. This, this man, because of the time he's living in, anything, anyone that is not European is a savage and uncivilized, right? Keep that in mind. And we're talking about 150 years ago. What was it like 2,000 years ago? If this is the educated mindset of his time, what was the ignorant mindset of the time? Oh, my goodness. I hope this is okay with you guys. I hope we can walk through this because I'm not in agreement with any of this name calling and things like that, but that's how they live. This is why I love history so much because it tells us that this man, really, this was his everyday vernacular. This was his ordinary speech and it wasn't offensive in his day. But listen to what he said. So we hear about the gin and the genie. Our knowledge on this subject is continually being augmented, listen, by travelers, missionaries, and investigators. We have investigators of the paranormal today. We still have missionaries, and we still have people traveling from other countries influencing other countries. That's what he's saying. Demon ideas crop out in our civilized life. The connection of nightmare, listen, no, no, but the chief function ascribed to demons is in connection with disease. Oh my goodness. Historians have discovered that a lot of the spook stuff that goes back since the beginning of recording are really undiagnoses that people carry. Okay, I know this is too much for some of you. Let the intention be made known, God. Father, we declare that any uneasiness is really the usurping and the ripping away of old thought patterns, old mindsets, old ideas, wrong teachings, uncomfortable root systems placed on the inside of us. Do surgery in the realm of the spirit. Cause us to study in Jesus' name. Father, I just cover myself. Father, I stand with you, Lord, because we're going to get back to teaching you. But Father, we have to understand what you teach us every day is that you came to save the whole world. Why am I searching out a gin and a genie and I'm here in the United States? I have enough to contend with right here within my own culture. My mom talked about hoodoo and voodoo all her life. 
She would tie stuff up, put it in the house. The one she was a practicing Christian. Father, may we have understanding of how you uproot these things from our lives. Oh my God. The Babylonians, Babylonians were side by side in the area with Christians. And they thought that disease was caused by inhaling or swallowing stray demons. Just as we ascribe it to microbes or bacteria. But because of ignorance, because of the lack of understanding, because of the lack of science and medicine. Oh my God. The demons are expelled in various ways. They are addressed with entreaties or threats. They are enticed out with food offerings or driven away with noises and blows. The regular means of cure was exorcism and banishment. And if you read this whole document, listen to this. That was a belief across nations for multiple religions. Are you following me? Oh my, we think we special, right? Sometimes we forget that we slayed animals and put them on an altar of sacrifice, just like all the other pagan religions. We forget that. Oh my goodness. The Antilles Indian pulls the disease off the patient and blows it away. The Patagonian beats the drum at the head of the bed of the sick person to drive away the devil. In Siam, the natives hunt the demons out of houses and drives them through the streets by cannon shots outside the walls into the woods. In Africa, they are placed along the road leading to the sea puppets. Are you guys following? I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna show you when this was written. Y'all ready for that? Oh. 1899. My God, sound like a lot of us today. Y'all all right? You guys okay? Did Jesus do any of that to the degree that we do it today? Did Jesus, did the apostles, our effort should be placed and looking at how Jesus did this and that and in what context. And how can I be like Christ? He is the ultimate example. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first. He's the last. He's the firstborn of all creation. He is the king of us, the son of God, the first sacrifice, all eyes on Jesus. 
James 1, it says this. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish his work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because no one doubts because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. If you doubt, God can bless you. If you doubt, God can fix your situation. If you doubt, God can heal you. If you doubt, you're gonna be tossed into all of these different. Let me try this because I wanna, oh, let me try, let me just say this with you. Most people who heavily believe in demonology, and it is a belief system, keeps trying different methods. Tossing in the wind. This didn't work. Let me try this. I fasted for 30 days. There was no breakthrough. What do I do next? Let me dig out my grandmama devil. Let me dig out my daddy's devil. Let me go back and re-repent even though I've already been forgiven. Let me figure out what's wrong with me even though I have been made new. The prophet must have been wrong. The pastor must not have had any power. But your belief messed up. But you want me to pray for you and for you to be here. But your whole belief is messed up. You're holding on to this devil that you know you have. And I just know something is wrong with my mind. I just, the, they, the, I, in this dream, the Lord showed me I had this devil. Well, and you're holding on to it because you only believe it can be released a certain way. Your belief is hindering you. The Bible teaches us that, that our faith and our belief is the foundation of every breakthrough. The Bible teaches us that even if God doesn't answer, we're supposed to hold on to the belief and the faith that he will. Jesus cried blood. Oh my God. Let's keep going. Verse nine. Believers in humble circumstance ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossoms and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres in trial and have, having stood the test. Oh my God. So testing is not God having you endure a test. It's your ability to overcome the circumstances in your life that oppress you. I overcome it in my head first. My condition is meant to overcome, then overcoming is temporal. That overcoming is going to fall again when I don't have my outward condition satisfied. So my goal in a trial is to overcome inside, overcome in my thought life, overcome in my head, 
believe in my true self. And then when the windfall that you're waiting for happens, get this, it cannot move you either. Your personality won't change. You won't get the big head. You won't go in the opposite direction of your poverty. God is a genius. Trials require us to learn how to be content in the midst of them. That is our battle. But we've caused people to believe that the battle is what devil is holding your stuff back. I got to go to the enemy's camp and take my stuff back. Well, you go ahead because my scripture tells me that everything that I need is in Jesus. If anything was left behind that the devil got, he can keep it. Because some, whatever God has is definitely better than what I left behind. Why would I go to God's adversary to get things that are set aside for me in heaven? Why in the world would I lift Jesus' foot off the devil and start digging in the mud? I am not doing it. And I don't want you to do it either. There is nothing that the devil has. The devil got my children. No, he does not. The influences of this world have them. And they need to come to themselves and change their mind. When the prodigal went out into the world, they never said the devil had him. That father waited for his son and prayed for his son to come into, come to himself. I declare that my children will come to themselves. They will come to their true selves. They will come to who God knitted in, in my womb. They will live out the purposes and the plans, God. As I come against any oppressive mindsets, any negative thought processes, any places that hurt has broken and cracked them and caused the divide. Father, I stand against the addiction. I stand against the stronghold of suicide and depression. I stand against perversion in their lives. In Jesus' name, I release light over them in darkness. Father, your word says that wherever there is darkness, grace abounds much more. I pray for grace for my children. Grace for them. Not a hair will be lost on their head. Their lives will not be taken. They will come out with their full mind as if they were never in the fire in Jesus' name. Let there be light. I'm not going to spend my time coming to the devil. That would get your hand off of my child. Because in my light view, my view of the light, God has his hand on my child. Oh, my God. The twistedness. The battles we face. I'm dealing with less so bad, God. That spirit, my dreams are disturbed. You need to fight for your mind. You need to declare that whatever is in you that is lonely, 
that is hurt, that was affected. Now I will say, there are times when we have to look at this. If you were abused, if you were raped, if you were a victim of incest, we come against transference in Jesus' name. We're gonna talk about that part later because I don't want anybody walking away saying, I'm teaching that there is no evil influence. There is, there are things. But what I want you to know above anything is that when we know the difference, then we can discern when there is an evil spirit. Are you following me? Or everything will be an evil spirit. We have to discern. And I've done teachings on discernment. I've done teachings on, um, um, on um, false prophecy and true prophecy. I'm not going to reteach those things. You have to go back through and find them, but they will give you clarity to what I'm sharing today. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because people's default is always the devil. But listen, the hearts of people are desperate and wicked. People choose to be wicked. People choose to be evil. If jealousy is in your heart, there is no end to what you will do to undermine the person. That's the spirit of Jezebel. If envy is in your heart, there is no end to what you can do and your evilness toward another person. Oh my God. We have to rethink some of these things. However, if you are mentally ill, you are an open door to all manner of perversion. I'm talking um, severe mental illness where people are, are may not have, um, you know, if you have a person in your life that is mentally challenged, that is five years old in the head, 60 years old in the, in the physical body, you have to learn how to pray for them. And you have to, with me and with other people that I know, we start, you start praying for them as babies. You start covering their mind. Do you know I held off puberty for my children? One until she was um, 13, the other one until she was almost 16 years old by prayer. I didn't have to contend with a lot of the things that a lot of my friends contend with because I knew the Lord. And the Lord showed me how to pray for my children. So I didn't have to worry about raging hormones. I didn't have to worry about my children losing their ability to be children. My children were children until they were adults. We have to understand how to navigate that realm as parents. I didn't allow um, I don't care what the rest of the world was doing. We didn't have television in our household. My children didn't have cell phones because they wanted to be cool. I don't care. My children's minds were more important to me. If my children had friends, they had friends because I befriended the friends of their parents. Even if it was a child I didn't care for in the sense of behavior. I would make friends with their parent so that I could influence the parent and watch my child. Now we just let our children go out with anybody. And they have the nerve to tell them who and what. I knew all of my children's friends and their parents. So I'm just giving you 
just some insight on how we deal with this, especially those of you that may see little things edging up in your children. You know what I mean if you've been a parent. You go and you ask God, how can I combat that before it grows up? Do that instead of throwing oil and casting out devils on your kids because you make them think that they are demonic. You make them think they are bad, evil. God will show us how to do things where we're not religiously scarring our kids. I don't know why I went in that direction, but we're going to keep it moving. We're going to keep it moving. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to tell folks how to raise their kids. I'm just sharing with you that I've seen kids grow up from deliverance ministries, and they don't care nothing for church today. And they have lived their whole lives thinking they're not good enough for God. And now I've got to minister to them. And spend years trying to help them realize that they are, are, are that God accepts them exactly where they are. But you grew up telling your children you act like a girl. You, you don't, I mean, I mean, Jesus would never. Jesus never approached us by looking at what we did and then making us feel bad about it. He didn't do it. Anyway, that's, a, that's, that's me getting involved in this message. Let's go back. Let's go back. So I, I want you to look at evil spirits because we're going to walk through a few scriptures right now. We're going to walk through a few scriptures right now, and then we're going to be done. And we're going to pick up next Sunday. Next Sunday is going to be good because we're going to talk about, uh, well, I'll just wait for next Sunday. So I'm going to look right now. I have my list of scriptures. I don't have them up here, but I'm going to close this one out. I hope you guys heard today the, the heart of this. But I want you to just um, hear some of these scriptures as I read them. Romans 16 and 20, it says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus will be with you. When you read that scripture in context, you need to because People believe that that means that Satan hasn't been defeated. But if you understand the context of that passage, we're going to read it like this. The God of peace will soon crush the adversaries coming against you. The God of peace is going to deal with the negative influence that you are facing right now. And he will put that under your feet. That's how we need to see that. This is not about the devil. This is about the influences that he has left us as ruler over Babylon, ruler over the world system that is led by the flesh, the ruler that's over the, the organized principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness and spiritual darkness in high places. He's talking about those types of monstrosities that, okay, he's going to soon crush those things for you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Revelation 20 and 10. I need to tell you right up front, you, some of you, this is my theology. I'm not asking you to believe in my theology, but I will say this to you. I read the book of Revelation as an allegory. There are certain things in the midst of the book of Revelation. I am not strange 
most of the church, not the prophetic community, but most of the world who's Christian, whether Catholic or they, they look at Revelation as an allegory. You have to formulate in your own mind what that is. The difference for me is simply this. So I believe some of Revelation has already taken place. The difference for me is, is this. All I need to be a son is to believe on Jesus. I do not have to agree with you concerning your end time beliefs. And you do not have to agree with me. I believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. I believe his origin story. I believe all the things that most believers believe. But when it comes to the book of Revelation, those churches that John wrote letters to were actual churches and places. They existed in the world. They were not hypothetical. They were real places where these letters were sent. And that was the beginning of my journey. I have not been influenced by anybody concerning that. Those are my own thoughts because I'm a student of the word. So I just want to share that with you because sometimes people get confused. Um, I don't know who that is, but I think somebody might be having problems with their mic. But so here's the book. There's the scripture from Revelation. Listen. Revelation 20 and 10, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they were to be tormented day and night forever and ever. I believe that is an allegorical statement. Take that for what it is, but you need to know that. John was in a dream. That's Revelation 20 and 10. If that's a deal breaker for you, just know it's not for me. But I'm going to stand on what I believe I understand. Revelations 12 and 19, I'm not going to, I want you to read this. Um, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. Remember what I taught you about those two words, the deceiver of the whole world. And he still is by influence. He was thrown down to the earth. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. I believe that story, but I do see it in past tense. That's Revelations 12 and 9. I'm giving you scriptures, but I'm a contextual reader. And I read and I did a whole teaching on how to study the Bible. Absolutely. The key word, Prophet Cynthia said, is master deceiver. So the influence in the earth today is to deceive you. That's why you need to guard what your children watch on television. We fight over the schools and what they're teaching our kids about sex and all of this stuff. But I say to you, you are responsible for influencing your child, not the school system. You are responsible. Do your due diligence in your home. Right? Here we are, Hebrews 2.14. Here's another one. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy 
the one who has the power of death, and that is the devil. I believe Jesus accomplished that through his resurrection. And nobody can convince me that he did not. You have to decide that he's defeated and then you have to figure out how to live like it. You have to figure out how to live like it. I don't care how oppressive the systems of this world is, how demonic they are, and they are. You have to figure out how to live above it, just like Jesus did. Ephesians 6 and 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We, fought, we war against all of these influences. And how do we do it? Resistance, standing, our faith, the mind of Christ. Believing what God has said despite what we see. Understanding that a powerful declaration was made in the new covenant. And that declaration was, I, I wish that no man should perish. He said, I wish that no man should perish. I wish that no man should perish. The flip of that is, but some of them will. There will be people that will never enter eternity. They will never enter eternity. They will see death. And we preach Christ so that they don't have to go that way. So that they can live in the eternal kingdom. Now listen to this, John 12 and 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. I'm reading this because look, that was before the resurrection. That was before the crucifixion. I'm, I have to point that out because people quote this as if it hasn't occurred, not realizing the context of John 12. This is leading up to the resurrection. First Peter 5 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to desire, to devour. Let's read this with our understanding today. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the influencer, the master liar, the, the king of lies. Are you, are you able to see this? Because see, the influence causes people to take on unnatural forms against you. The date gone wrong. Snap. I mean, we can go through all of these shows. That was the devil. Well, they gave themselves over to the influence. Are you following me? The devil got him. No, that's just an evil person that needs the brokenness in them healed so that the evil influences can go. And if you find in the midst of that, that there is demonic oppression, listen, you don't have to hunt that down. The power of God in you can set the time and the moment for you to deal with it. 
Man, I've given this story before. I'm going to share it with you again, real brief. I had a person that actually was under the influence of demonic oppression. And, um, you know, and I see things, but I don't make that my ministry. A lot of us have sight. A lot of us have discernment that will allow us to see things on people or in people. But I am one that have learned through wisdom to wait for the opportunity if they're assigned to me. You know, if, they, if it's in a church service, the Lord has showed me how to do it without it being a show. That's just me. Because I've asked the Lord, I want to minister like Christ. And some real close to me have seen that. So just because I'm not on, on Facebook showing pictures of people laying on the ground and look, all of that extra stuff. But I want to, this particular situation was, um, I invited, I had someone that was with me in ministry. And I do not mind talking about this. Not going to give the circumstance. But there was a situation that was at bay. And my mentor was like, don't do this on your own. Don't pray for this person in your house. Well, I got cornered and I decided to pray anyway. That thing manifested in my house. And I could not handle it by myself. And I'm like, what do I do? It's loose. It's, you know, and I, I won't tell you what happened because I can't give you that much identifying information. But some of you all have heard this story. Oh my God, God, help. Now my husband wasn't home. My children wasn't home. And I'm like, I can't leave this person like this because I might be going to jail or I'm eating the, eating the news. So this thing is taking place in my house. And all of a sudden, I bind you back up from where you came. I mean, I was like, I was like, God, I repent for opening this up in my house after I already been warned. I'm like, I need to be saved. And I was like, and see, the world will tell you you were not powerful enough. But no, that was not it. I needed help in this situation i opened that up i had to get that thing out of my house within seconds of that that situation happening um the person came to themselves and it was over they had no memory of that taking place no memory they just they needed help and i was out of time out of the timing out of order and i didn't have the person with me that, listen, was anointed to walk with me and dealing with that situation. I don't get mad when I can't help people sometimes because that's not my grace. I stepped outside of my grace. And listen, the Lord protected me. He wasn't going to let nothing happen to me. But I never forgot that lesson. I never forgot that. So there are... There are situations and circumstances where there is situations that we see Jesus walk into. But I'm going to say this boldly. Most of the people we encounter are wicked. And they are evil. And they are selfish. How do I know? Because from Genesis to Revelation, almost all of the context of disobedience was in the hands of people who only needed to choose God. Jesus, God said to the nation of Israel, I can't remember where the scripture is. It's somewhere in the old covenant. One of the prophets, Isaiah, I believe, Isaiah. 
and um as no moses 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 he said he said listen israel is rebellious but i'm telling you because of their rebellion i am going to raise up a whole different nation to incite them to jealousy and i'm why am i sharing that because if all god needed to do was cast out devils he would have done it what he needed was people willing to change their minds. Repent and change their minds. I mean, Moses murdered somebody and by all accounts, God never dealt with it. And I mean, here you got Paul doing all that he do. And we don't even see the whole account of his healing those 14 years before he came out into his full ministry. Why didn't, why didn't Jesus advertise all the devils he had to cast out of Saul? If all we had was the woman at the well, the Lord wasn't concerned with her and her sexual history. He was concerned with her repentance. And he healed her as she went. The first message Jesus ever gave, and I have begged you to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If he's so concerned with demonology, why is it that that's not what he presented the people when he preached that long, drawn-out sermon on the mount? Why is it that that wasn't the book that he wrote? God wants us to deal with things. He wants us to be healed. He wants us to have deep healing. But his methods are not the method of our culture, our ancestry, our weird friend's dreams, the person who dreamed hell and heaven. Our faith is not predicated on those strange doctrines. It's predicated on Jesus. And I'm going to ask you a question that I've been asking the conservatory since we started. Is Jesus enough for you? Or are we going, what, what's it going to be next week? Some juice that you drink that will heal you? That's what we're having. Is there going to be something in the wind? Is it going to be about smells? That's why we're having there is no end to this stuff. Last but not least, I'm going to settle some things today and we're going to be done. This is my kingdom eschatology. It was written by Chris Volatine and Ryan Pina. I don't agree with um, some things. I add some things to it. Well, I agree with most of this, but I want you to hear me. This is what I believe and it's eschatology is the doctrine of salvation. And this is what I believe. I will not embrace an end time worldview that re-empowers a disempowered devil. I will not embrace an end time worldview that re-empowers a disempowered devil. I will not accept an eschatology that takes away my children's future 
and creates mindsets that undermine my legacy in Christ or the legacy God has given us. I will not tolerate any theology that sabotages the clear command of Jesus to make disciples of all nations and the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples concerning heaven on earth. We have covered the, uh, that prayer so many times in the conservatory. Read the last prophecies and the last words of Jesus as he prepared his apostles for his return. I believe those words. And if I was Jesus and that was my last day on earth, why didn't Jesus spend it warning us about demonology? He gave them the kingdom. I will not allow any interpretation of scripture through my lips or through my heart that destroys the hope for the nations and undermines our command to restore ruined cities. I will not embrace an eschatology that changes the nature of a good God. I believe God is good. And I will not allow anyone to tell me he's not because he recognized his own mistakes. And he said, I can't keep doing things like I'm doing them in the old covenant. God said, I'm going to send my son to fulfill everything that I need to accomplish. And then I'm going to have him carry the load of the people I love so much. He's going to die for them. And all he has to do when he's resurrected is give them access to him so they can have access to eternity. I will not allow any doctrine to take that belief away from me. I refuse to embrace any mindset that celebrates bad news as a sign of the times, because Jesus said he, that we would know when he was coming. I'm going to look to the sky for Jesus, not for torment and torture. Everyone who has predicted that Jesus was coming and when he would come up until this point have been found a liar. Every single person, every single prophet, and then they go back and try to clean it up. What they don't understand is that we cannot predict end time by disaster. End time, according to the Bible, is when we can see the unification and the perfecting of love in the earth, which means the church is doing its work effectively. I believe that. Jesus said he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. For me, that means he's looking for a bride who only wants to see people reach eternity. They're not glad and celebrating when people do evil and they get punished. They're not talking about you deserve that. You shouldn't. Christ died because of what we didn't even deserve. I can't get with that kind of doctrine. And you guys need to know that. While I do believe in sowing and reaping, I don't believe that the day ahead are a time of judgment upon people and regions, but that Father's time now is a, is a hurry in restoration. We are desperate for restoration, not judgment. I'm sorry. People like to see other people get it. 
People like to see other people punished. People like to say, let me get out of the way so I won't get hit. But they don't understand that it rains on the just and just, unjust just the same. But because our end goal is eternal, whether we die with the heathen or whether we die at the end of our days, God is still God. Oh my goodness. I will not use modern lenses to interpret first century verses. I'm sorry. We won't be stoning people in my, in my camp. We won't be banning people from the church where I am. Everybody's welcome here. Just like it was, because this is where you come to learn. I don't do that, and I won't agree with it ever. So if you see something you don't like, a part of the conservatory, praise God that it's a safe place to come and be healed. I will not receive any doctrine contrary to the kingdom increasing in the earth realm. None. Because we know hell enlarges itself every day. Every day, the scripture tells us that. But guess what? The, the kingdom is increasing as well. It's not decreasing. It won't be as large as the increase from a hell perspective. There will be a remnant, but we are increasing heaven. I believe in the victory of Christ and the advancement of his kingdom as foundations and lenses for everything I see. I wake up in the morning reading scripture as if I'm reading it through the eyes of Christ. And I, I, y'all know this because I tell you this all the time. We need to see through the eyes of Christ. Suffer a witch to live. Through the eyes of Christ, I can't say that anymore. Through the eyes of Christ, I have to say, bless my enemy, Lord. Save those who persecute and use me against your wishes. That's how I pray through the lives of Christ, the life of Christ. I am no longer suffering which to live. That's why Christ Jesus had to come. Jesus came so we wouldn't need to do that anymore. Oh my God. Last but not least, I will maintain a higher truth than the book of Revelation is about unveiling Jesus and his completed work of redemption. In other words, what that means is I believe the book of Revelation and it's me as in parts of it that are historical and I know have been completed are infallible to me. But the way people interpret that dream, I don't have to interpret it that way. I don't have to do it. And I don't have to believe what everyone believes because it's an allegory. There are a lot of parables in the Bible and we owe it to ourselves. Listen, to take the time to study. And I will tell you, this changed for me when I was in seminary, almost seven years ago, whenever. It changed me. 2013, it changed me. How can I say that? Because I learned why we have all the interpretations of revelation that we have, 
That was the first thing. I learned how we got all of those interpretations of Revelation. And then as my teacher said, we have to read through these and see which one makes sense because most of the church follows one particular teaching. We have to study. You don't have to agree with me. This might be my last walk with some of you. But it's so important that you understand why we're where we are and why sometimes I think the way that I think. I'm not saying there are no devils and demons and evil spirits. I'm just saying things are not just chasing you down, trying to jump on you like charm, Salem's lot, like um, the vampire diaries, like whatever we're watching where we've allowed the world system to give us a view of what the enemy looks like. And I'm also very brokenhearted for leaders who dedicate their lives to demonology when their lives should be dedicated to first revealing Christ. So Father, I just thank you for this teaching on today. I pray that understanding came, not judgment. I pray that... um, an unraveling is taking place on the inside of your people as they begin to put these pieces together. Father, I shared this today, not for people to go on Facebook and run around trying to tell people this and that, but for us, Lord, because we can't win battles with people we are not developing. Some teachings can only be taught and understood in the midst of development where questions can be answered, where community can surround it, where, um, ideologies can be discussed without fighting and fits. Lord, I declare that we will not love devils, but we will love light. I declare, Father, that we don't have to know everything about the dark, dark realm because there's no knowing that will ever stop there, but everything we need for life and godliness, according to the scripture that says that, is in Christ. I'm going to search out the light because I know that by searching out the light, I will learn what is the good and perfect will of the Father. I know that by searching out the light, I will become more intimately acquainted with the word and with your eternal intention. I understand that the more I look at the light, I will see the people of the earth as you'll see them. As long as we're focused on darkness, our first impressions will be to open up a familiar realm. Mm, Do you see that little spirit jump out of her? Mm, mm. We rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We will get to know one another based on personality in the spirit and know their personality. So we'll know it's not a devil. It's just an area that need a character development issue, a disposition, wrong thinking. Maybe that's hurt. But if it is something else, we want to be sure, absolutely sure of what it is. In Jesus' name, give us understanding, God. Give us hope and give us peace. And Lord, I thank you that these moments are for the conservatory and not for everybody. 
You taught some things to the 12, some to the three, some to the 5,000 or more. Lord, show us how to discern the difference. And Father, right now, I just cover myself in the realm of the spirit. I thank you, Father, that you are dealing with every idle conversation, chatter, every wayward thought, Father, that you are dealing with that. It has no power over me, but I pray for a conviction of those, Lord, that would dare misunderstand and misinterpret what I am saying today. Father, I thank you that if there are questions in this community that we are able to answer, we will. We come against gossip and slander in Jesus' name. We come against the worship of men and their books and their doctrines and their position in the earth that will die and dry up and become as hate and wood. We thank you for what is eternal and what will last, what is built on your purpose and intention in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen.